Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back, friends, to another edition of Disciple Making. My name is Tim Beadle with my good friend Darren Ride. And Darren, for the past, well, I don't know how many weeks or months, we've been working through Damien Girk's book, In the Way. We've been looking at two different uh, models, uh, the legacy model, a sort of church as we know it, uh, which we have been raised in, perhaps feel very comfortable understanding, and then a disciple-making movement model, which really um, takes us to the edge of the margins in terms of uh, normality. And uh, we've been trying to challenge our, our hearers and listeners over the last weeks and months about the contrasts between these two models. And we've sort of come to a point. Uh, do you want to sort of talk about the reflective uh, point that we find ourselves at now? Yeah, so so no, you know, we've looked at all these contrasts and they they really start to highlight how different pursuing a disciple-making movement or a disciple-making lifestyle is from a even a vocational ministry context or involvement in a legacy church context. And it really starts to create a tension. <laughs> I mean, it has for me, still does for me between, you know, the way we do the Christian life and the way we may need to change it as well as ministry as well as church to actually be effective in disciple-making. And so, you know, the next chapter here is about decision points and strategy and things. And I really appreciated, you know, the start of the chapter, the, the encouragement to stop and fast and pray yeah. before just doing some knee-jerk reaction. And uh, I know from, you know, from our experiences, we took a long time to get where we are, myself personally, I think you as well, yeah. to come to the conclusions as well as then taking action and, if people have been challenged or encouraged by what we've been saying, I'd say don't, you know, don't go off, you know, half loaded, but just really wrestle through in prayer, uh, seeking what the next steps are. Yeah. I think if you've been tracking with us, uh, I think we're up to over 80 episodes now, Darren, uh, there, there comes a point if you've been tracking with us that within your heart and soul, that there becomes uh, a sense of discontent with the status quo. Because we, we have been challenging the status quo, and God uses the status quo, and there's wonderful churches out there. However, uh, if you do look at what's happening in the North American church, uh, 85% are either plateaued or in decline. Hmm. And because numbers seem to be uh, on the dashboard as, as one of the measurements of success, most churches uh, are failing in that regard. And therefore, uh, when Jesus said, I will build my church, he hasn't finished building it yet, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, it, 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 that's as fresh today, but perhaps uh, we have to look at a, a new wineskin model, perhaps, mm. in terms of what will happen. I, I remember uh, the uh, co comic strip of Popeye, the sailor man, perhaps you watched the cartoon, and, and uh, you know Brutus, the guy who kept really irritating him. Uh, Popeye would be patient for as long as he could, but then he said this. He says, I seize what I seize, and I can't stand it no more. <laughs> and that's when he would uh, pop open the uh, the can of uh, spinach down it and uh, develop big muscles and rectify the situation. 
I don't know when you look at the, the church in terms of if I were to challenge the uh, our listeners to assess your level of comfort and satisfaction with the kingdom return on the investments that you've made of time, energy, and finance that you've poured into your, your legacy church over the years, uh, is there a sense of discontent? Uh, is, this, is this as good as it gets? Hmm. And if not, then this chapter sort of speaks to us about what next steps might look like. Oh yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a good way of framing it, Tim. I my discontent really began. I mean, that's why I went to Bible school, learn how to share my faith. Yeah. <laughs> and then I jumped into the church and realized there's a lot that interfered with sharing my faith or reaching people. And I, and it really for me started in '97 or so when I went actually interestingly to a motivational speaking seminar, Success '97, Peter Lowe, which turned out to be an outreach event. It, it was framed up as a secular event, but right in the middle they shared the gospel. And it got me thinking, how can we be more effective and efficient in the life of the church? Yeah. And that led me down this path where I realized effective and efficient in what? Well, making disciples. Well, what's a disciple? Well, this is a disciple. How then do we make disciples? And so that's been the journey I've been on. And along the way, I keep bumping into structural issues, mm-hmm. traditions, expectations that seem to fight against making disciples. And I'm talking with the inside the church. And so there's this this ongoing battle, tension, discontent that needs to be faced by anyone who wants to move into a disciple-making lifestyle or ministry. Yeah, I, I think, look at the status quo in the average church and in terms of the dashboard indicators or markers that we pay attention to. And basically, you know, we, we all rejoice when people cross the line of faith. So so conversions is a mile marker. We, we count those. And then, you know, when, when people, um, even though in the Bible it happened pretty uh, automatically when people were saved, they were baptized. But baptism is another marker when people say, no, I, I'm going to identify with Jesus. Uh, and therefore, they count that. And then uh, for many churches, then you become a member because you can't become a member unless you're saved and, and baptized. That becomes another marker of what's important. But then after that, apart from budget, <laughs> uh, what do we measure? And uh, my constructive criticism that I've been sharing for several years now is that uh, if we don't count anything else as being important, what happens is that there's just this internal, uh, it's sort of like these traffic circles. You can stay going around there if you never exit for the rest of your life. And uh, for the average Christian, uh, they get involved in the life of the church, they get busy. And then it's all about me, feed me, give me another study, I'm not ready yet. I still need to mature, but they never, they never exit an off ramp of that traffic circle as their way in terms of the pathway of following Jesus, hmm. and and they just stay there. Whereas uh, this book uh, really delineates that counting disciple makers, those who come along someone wherever they are in their spiritual walk and walk with them and remember to be a to lead someone you only have to be one step ahead of them you don't have to have it all figured out mm-hmm. but to the point that they can go and replicate and, and do this with someone else all at the same time realizing it's the holy spirit who's active as we obey jesus commission to go into the world and make disciples so mm. so you know you value what you count and so i think the the, the first challenge at this point of decision is uh, we have to reflect honestly and openly and, and constructively, critically, that um, these, the, the way that we've done church, the legacy church model that's been passed down to us 
by those who had it passed down to them. Uh, this is our starting point, and you can either live like this the rest of your life, or if you have a holy discontent, uh, the worst thing is to start pointing fingers and be critical and get cranky mm. as you age, but rather to do something. And this book offers an off-ramp from the legacy church model. Yeah, you know, I find it, you know, he went through all the contrasts, we went through all the contrasts, and then, you know, some pretty direct statements, which were not stated as explicitly through those contrasts as they are here on page 202 of the book, where it says very clearly, and, and I think we agree on this, Tim, the legacy model church is inappropriate for multiplying disciple-making, that disciple-making movements and churches we know are incompatible, they have different priorities, and here's the hard one, they're all hard. People who are comfortable in a legacy setting will not be comfortable with disciple-making movements. And, you know, in, in a way, this sounds like an almost an unbreachable wall of, of you know, here's where we are, here's where we need to go, and here's these, these realities of the Christian culture and subculture we find ourselves in. And that's it's a real challenge to move into disciple-making organizationally, corporately, personally. There's some very real challenges. And perhaps the common ground. Otherwise, you can find yourself sitting across the table from someone who has adverse views or comfort levels, my suggestion is could we sit on the same side of the table, look again into God's word and look into the face of Jesus and uh, study his life because, and then imitate him because that's what it means to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus. Hmm. And then apply it to what's happening in the local church. Uh, my frustration level for years has been, uh, when we attract someone to the church and they receive the Lord, uh, it's like we've made them into make work projects, Darren, where mm-hmm. that was the end game. Get them over the line. Mm-hmm. Of course, that means they have a heavenly destination. Praise God for that. But that is not the end of, of, of the commission that has been given to us. It wasn't to mm-hmm. make converts. It was to make disciples. Yeah. And I think, Tim, you, you alluded earlier to baptism. Uh, they did count baptisms in the early church. It seems like that's one of the things they counted. But I think that what it meant then, it really was a dying to your old way of living, coming alive, and a commitment to follow Jesus. It was yeah. it was enlistment in the mission, really. And yeah. I think we've we've maybe downplayed it a little bit where we can be baptized now as a, uh, yeah, it's a next step but it's yeah. not seen as a full enrollment in joining Jesus on mission. No. I think that's what it meant. And I think that's why they counted it because it actually was much closer to when someone's baptized, they were enrolling and being disciple makers, I that's believe right. much more yeah. than we understand it now anyway. Yeah. And in the average church, I've noticed that when uh, baptism is promoted and put before people, this is to really identify with Jesus. Mm. Then they say membership is to identify with this church but they never get around to talk about identifying with the mission of Jesus hmm. and subsequently the mission of the church. Uh, and so therefore you can have your own relationship with Jesus, be committed to your local church and never be confronted with the claims and commands of Jesus that we are taught to obey. Hmm. And so I think a lot of obedience in, in these days uh, because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me and obey my teaching. And I think uh, we talked about this maybe a year ago. Why do you obey? Why does a child obey his parents or her parents? Is because the opposite of, well, the outcome of disobedience is punishment. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And I think some of us have never grown out of that, uh, that we basically obey Jesus, just like the Pharisees ended up, and we create a list, and we base our well-being based on the list of checking off boxes, because if we don't do this, God's not going to be happy, and then he's going to punish us, whereas we fail to realize, and, and I want to tie this into maybe a sense of, if we have a sense of discontent, uh, and we want to obey Jesus in this. We don't obey Jesus to avoid punishment. We obey Jesus to honor him, to mm. honor him and his word. Uh, so parents tell us to obey because they have a, a more mature understanding of the person that they want us to become. We aren't there yet. I believe in a disciple-making movement. Uh, God has a, a, a larger uh, picture of ourselves and his church, the body of Christ, mm. than we simply haven't grasp and the last thing we want to do is is to do this out of guilt or compulsion hmm. but really maybe uh, we we have to have a gut check and realize that we haven't been honoring jesus in his words in his commands and we haven't been walking as as he walked because we simply have got caught up in a system that's just the way it happens now and we feel very comfortable in it uh, you said something uh, earlier before we came on here about uh, how it might be more comfortable not to engage in disciple-making movement. Do you want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah, and, and again, we've been, uh, I find it interesting, we've been in this, in our 12-church ministry here for just over two years, and I find it interesting in the book that Damien mentions it actually takes about two years to really, you know, make the shift. And, uh, you know, we're certainly finding that. And part of the shift for me personally has been understanding just how comprehensive a call to being a disciple maker is that it's not as compartmentalizable as a nine to five job or a X number of hours ministry role, uh, you know, focus on Sunday morning. It's something that permeates all of life. And I find myself uh, being challenged by that a little bit, like the call to be a disciple, which includes being a disciple maker is comprehensive. It's a 24 seven thing. And yes, we still need self-care and all those kind of things, but it's really the call to um, always be on mission with Jesus runs deep. And I find myself, you know, grappling with what that really means for, for me, for my wife and I personally in these days. Yeah. My experience has been, I have not been able to make um, a dent or I was going to say major inroads, but that is a no, even a dent into uh, creating an environment, even within my own church, uh, on on moving in the direction of becoming disciple makers. Now, I think that's about to change, and I think my role at the church is going to change. But but for me, for years and years and years, I've said to those, uh, even you know, in leadership who have led like alpha groups, people have come to the Lord, and I say, can you identify where that person is a year or two years later hmm. after alpha has finished, and they can't. Right. And I equate it to, you know, the, the, the birth of a new baby. I've got a, a new six-month-old grandson. Shout out to Kai, who <laughs> doesn't know who I am yet. <laughs> Can you imagine a new baby's born and then, okay, the job's done. And, and we there's so much time you have to spend in just teaching the basic foundations. We, we mentioned this last time. Uh, but the church seems quite happy. How many people went to Alpha? But there, 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 there's simply no sense or mindset of, of accountability and responsibility for those who have made a spiritual step and they need to be nurtured. So for me personally, 
Uh, I, I have three different fellows that, that I'm working with. They're at all different stages of spiritual development. And I've had to do this sort of on the side of the church, not as part of the church. And then that, that, that's the biggest thing that frustrates me. Oh, yeah. No, that I, I could see that being a challenge. I think, again, you mentioned earlier, we've defined the end game as the moment of conversion. Yeah. And, and because of that, you know, we, we get a person that stage and we just kind of, ah, we're relaxed, we're done. And they can kind of fit into the, the church program and stuff happens and we can work on the next one. That's if we're evangelistically focused. Yeah. And it being a disciple and making disciples calls for something more. You know, what? one of the challenges that, Tim, I think, ironically, I think one of the challenges to disciple making, disciple making movements is it's actually quite simple. Yeah. That it doesn't require a lot of things that we require in the legacy church model. Yeah. It doesn't require facilities or budgets or degrees or professional staff. Yeah. Or anything. It doesn't require that. It requires raw obedience and, yeah. the, and the raw word of God and, you know, someone to walk with you and, and a group to walk with. And that simplicity, I think sometimes, I don't know if we sometimes believe that it's really that simple. And so yeah. we add all these other pieces that have to be in place. And that then ironically bogs down um, the the ability to multiply it out. Yeah, Damien says in his book, a, a disciple multiplying movement approach is not simply a new method to try. It's not something you add to your current life. It's something you reorient your life around. It alone becomes your priority that provides context to everything else and all other priorities in life. Now, practically speaking, if you're going to move from a legacy church approach to a disciple multiplying movement approach, you'll be, uh, Damien says you'll probably be off the edge of almost every ministry map you've ever used. It's <laughs> going to be breaking new ground. And, and this is challenging because for most of us, uh, we don't know how to navigate change well because we always want to know where change is leading us. But you think biblically, when, when God called Abraham, Abram to leave his homeland, he didn't provide him with GPS coordinates. He simply said, follow me and I will bless you. And uh, that's probably the best approach to take. <laughs> we need to stop and reflect and then pray and fast uh, before we do anything, correct? Is that what oh. I would say? Yeah, that, that's for sure. And, and expect that you need to hear from God in your specific context. That's the thing. Again, we can fall in the same trap as we did with the Legacy Church, Church Growth Movement, trying to plug and play programs from elsewhere, yeah. where what God wants to do in our my neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your churches is unique. There's going to be some key principles, but there's going to be unique spirit-directed strategy uh, for that time and that place. Yeah. And I, I think I've kind of equated it, Tim, a little bit to marriage, where, you know, when we made those marriage vows at the altar with our wives, we didn't know what we were saying. <laughs> we didn't know, at least I didn't know all that it meant to commit in that kind of way. And it's been slowly unfolding over the years. I, I've believed in the concept of disciple making for years. Yeah. I'm still uncovering what it means to live that out. Right. And it is slow and it requires focus. But I believe with all my heart, it's what we're called to and what Jesus is really about. Yeah, it's more of a crock pot approach than a microwave or a marathon than a sprint. Now, for, for those uh, listeners who've been tracking with us a long time, uh, early on in our podcast, we suggested you watch a YouTube video called The Backward Bicycle. <laughs> and, and I'm going to just put that out there again, because uh, the more I've sort of been reflecting on where we're at 
Um, you always, uh, people say, well, you never forget how to ride a bike. Uh, but in the backward bicycle video, uh, we're challenged with just doing things the same old way. And uh, that might be a good place to leave this because then you can go online right now and uh, <laughs> type in YouTube, the backward bicycle. Uh, but uh, this is a point of decision because at some point you can look at and compare and contrast, but then you have to look to the future and say, Lord, uh, slow me down, help me to understand what do you want me to do now to obey you as we walk into the future? Oh, amen to that. You know, backwards bicycle, change of thinking, change of yeah. change of muscle usage. Right. Uh, that's that's another image of the wineskins, though, Tim, isn't it? It is. It's something that doesn't fit that needs to be. And I've, you know, we talk think about wineskins a lot in relation to DMMs, disciple making movements, in relation to the church being the wineskin. But I've discovered wineskins in me <laughs> yeah. that are old and crusty that need to be blown open by the new wine of what it means to follow Jesus and be a disciple maker. But you nailed it. It's about obedience. What is the next step Jesus is calling us to take? That's what it means to be a disciple. Simply take the next step of obedience. And I believe if we, if we do that, as we do that, we will find ourselves in the path of being a disciple yeah. and ultimately inviting others to join us in being disciples and making disciples, because I think that's where he's leading. Amen. Amen. So join us again, Tim Beadle, my friend Darren Ride. We're all about disciple making, and we invite you to join us on the journey. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.